This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I, I just really encourage you, the month of July has five Sundays. Don't, don't miss any of these Sundays. It's these uh, weeks coming up that I believe God's really, really going to impact every one of us in incredible ways. But again, I'm glad you're here today. Once you get a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Judges, chapter 2, and then we'll go back to Joshua 4. All of you taking notes, Judges 2, and then back to Joshua, chapter 4. Now, we've talked here about the man named Joshua, and you begin to see a man who persevered, who continued to serve God. He knew God wanted more. Now, I want you to think here a little bit about this guy named Joshua He was raised in Egypt as a slave. And he saw the man of God, Moses, lead him right on out of there. He witnessed the sea splitting. And then this is the same man who who, uh, led him into the promised land. And so some things that begin to stick out with me about Joshua is that he never quit telling the people the truth. And he would tell them, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Now, when I say that, God wants to do something for every one of us, but you're part of the equation. God will ask you to do certain things, and in order for that more to come forward like He does desire, there'll be things you've got to do. So we begin here in the book of Judges, chapter 2 this morning. Now let me just tell you a little bit where we're at. When you start in the book of Judges, Joshua's already dead. He's no longer on the earth. Now we're going to go back when he still is, but begin with me in Judges chapter 2, verse 1. Then the angel of the Lord came from Gilgal to Bacham, and he said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Now, this is the faithfulness of God. This is the, the goodness of God. That God is a covenant God. God does not break His promises and His covenant. But in order for those covenants to go forward and you to walk in those things, again, it will take you to be a participant of it. So in other words, it's very similar to that of a marriage. How many of you found out that to have a good marriage, it takes both of you? Well, in this situation, it's the same thing with God. God has plans for every one of us, but it'll take our participation too. Now, this is what began to get my attention in this verse. If you'll notice the very first part, it says, The angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bacham. As I read that, I thought, why would the the, the Bible, the Scriptures, mention where this angel of the Lord came from? Well, the reason he mentions this is that he came up from Gilgal. Now, last week we were in Gilgal some, and we're going to go back to it in a little bit. But Gilgal right here, it it has great significance for us, as it had spiritual significance for them. It was the first tiny area that when they crossed the Jordan River, this is where they came to. It was uh, about a, a mile or two northeast of Jericho. And so we'll see through the scriptures today, there were significant things spiritually that took place there. But further down the line, the prophet Samuel would go to Gilgal to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Later on, the prophet Samuel would even anoint King Saul to be the king at Gilgal. 
Now, I want you to go back there with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 4. And we'll go into this because there's three spiritual keys or principles that are still significant for me and you today. And the first one is this. Don't ever forget what God's done for you. Don't ever forget. In other words, don't have spiritual amnesia and forget what God's done for you. Now, you'll watch how he deals with this with the Israelites as we begin in chapter 4, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, and the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourself twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you shall take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. Now, when I used to read about those stones, I, I had the thought that these stones weren't very big, that they would just walk out into the middle of the, of the Jordan and pick one up. Maybe it was small, maybe it was a little bigger. But when you read that last verse there, it says they were so big that they had to carry them on their shoulders. Now, the other day, I saw how the stones looked. They were huge. They weren't little bitty stones. And if you note, he said, that th these stones should be taken out and they should be put there forever. Why? Why was this such a big deal? Verse number 7, or 6. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them, The waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So here's what he's telling them. The day will come when your children will begin to ask, what do those mean? And he says, these should spark discussion. Whether it's mealtime or when you're sitting around that you begin to tell your children about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And if you notice, he said, this would be a memorial or a continual reminder forever. In other words, I want your or my children, your children, to know God's track record. So literally what he was telling the older ones there, he said, you must impart before you depart. And his goal for them was to leave a spiritual legacy or a spiritual heaven that their whole life they could always go back and say, remember what God did. Remember how faithful God was. Now just for a second, I want you to think about how faithful God's been to you. And you know what's easy oftentimes in human nature? 
we forget what God's done for us in the past. And we major on our, our problems now. And it's very easy with human nature to begin to, to bellyache, to complain. But something happens when we go back and remember what God did. You know what it begins to do? It begins to stir within us the faithfulness of God. God's so faithful. And so a, a passage of Scripture that jumps out is James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Draw close to me and I'll draw, draw close to you. And so I believe through these memorial stones that they would begin to tell their children about this and it gave their children opportunity to say, I want to know God like my daddy knows him. I want to pray like my mama prays. Now anytime a person gets born again, you become a child of God. We're all children of God, but we don't all live the same distance from God. What do you mean by that? There are ones that will grow closer to God than others. And what I'm telling us right now is every one of us in this room, we determine how close we want to, go to grow to God. How close you want to draw near to Him. And so my prayer is for every one of us is, Lord, draw us closer than we've ever been before. Take us deeper than we've ever been before. And so when you begin to look at these memorial stones that he's talking about, it was to spark up the discussion and tell them how great God was. Same chapter, verse 19. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. So here we are in Gilgal where the angel of the Lord came up from. Then when he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, would he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord. Now, when it talks about here the hand of the Lord, it's talking about the work which he's accomplished. And he's saying here, these monuments will be a visual reminder of the greatness of God. So he ends this verse and he says, Then it shall be might, it'll be mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, here's another thing from Gilgal that you need to understand. The, the noun for the word hand is a Hebrew word that's a verb called yada. Y-A-D-A-H. Yada. Not Yoda. Yada. The word yada in the Hebrew means to give thanks or to praise. The word yada actually means this. We're to raise holy hands to God and give Him thanks and to give Him praise. And so guess what happens when we begin to raise our hands to heaven and praise God and thank God? 
we begin to be reminded of His faithfulness. I believe one of the greatest things that your children can see you do is yada. And not be ashamed of it. See, oftentimes people will say, well, pastor, why do you raise holy hands to God? Why do you guys raise your hands? Well, number one, it's a form of yada. It's a form of worship. It's a form of praise. It's a form of honor. But think about this in this analogy. Anytime a child, a little guy or a little girl does this to their father, their mother, you know what they're saying? Pick me up. Pick me up. That ought to be one of our strongest forms of worship right there is the yada. So again, that's one of the spiritual significance right here that he wanted to place within him and, and with every one of us. If I'm not praising God, I'm not giving thanks, then I become dominated by worry. I become dominated by anxiety. But when I begin to focus on God, I realize, man, God's faithful. He's faithful. That's the first principle we learn. Don't ever forget the yada. Number two, begin in chapter five, verse number one. Now this is an interesting, okay? So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, these were all these ungodly kings and nations, they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the children of Israel until we had crossed over. And their heart melted. And there was no spirit or life in them any longer because of the children of Israel. So what happens here is God fulfilled His promise that He had made to him in Exodus 23. But when you begin to look at this verse, here's what stands out. Don't ever underestimate God or His power. Don't Esther ever underestimate the ability of God. So watch what happens. Now remember, they've crossed the Jordan there at Gilgal. Verse 2. And at that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Now we've got to understand what he's talking about here. The word circumcision here it was shown as a covenant between God and Abraham. And so what literally is taking place here is he's saying, I want you to put them back into covenant with me. Now he said there a second time. Now watch how scripture will begin to explain to us what's going on right here. Verse 3. So Joshua made flint knives for himself. And he circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Not where you want a vacation at, okay? Verse 4. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come up out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So here's what's going on. You remember the ones that came out of Egypt is what he's saying here. They had been circumcised. All those men besides Joshua and Caleb, they died in the wilderness. So now the only ones of them that have crossed the Jordan River are the ones that had been born in the wilderness 
And they had never been circumcised. So you go back and you look what's taking place here. You have men young and some that could be up to 40 years old that had never been circumcised. This hadn't been done for 40 years. So they had gotten away from their roots or the covenant which God had desired for them. So the word circumcision here means a cutting away. In their lives, it was the cutting away of apathy and disobedience. Now when we talk about circumcision, the physical act means nothing unless it's coupled with a circumcision or a cutting of my heart. So you know what God said? There's some things in your life that need to be cut off before you take another step forward. I have more for you, but there's some sin and disobedience within your heart that needs to be cut off. Now here's a question right now. Are there things in your life that need to be cut off pertaining to sin? Disobedience. Are you apathetic, complacent, lukewarm? Now here's how the church operates right now. If you say anything to people like that, we'll say, well, we believe God's love. We believe God's love. Well, I believe God's love too. Beloved, let us love one another. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. But why did the Lord Jesus say in John 14, 15, He said, If you love me, obey my commandments. So we use the term, well, I believe God is love, to try to dismiss or excuse our lifestyle and our behaviors, and we think, well, because God's love, God will do whatever I want Him to do because I'm standing on the promises of God. Now listen, I'm not preaching you got to be perfect and sinless. But I can't persistently and willingly continue to operate in sin and have the thought that God's okay with it. When we live that way, we treat God like a puppet. And we have this thought, all I got to do is press this button, and shabam, I get instant God. But I can't find any of that biblically. 1 John 1, 7 says, walk in the light as He is in the light. Let me give you a verse to reference. I'm going to go there, but you can write this down. This is Psalm 66, verse 18. Now listen real close. If I regard iniquity, if I regard wickedness or sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If, If sin is etched in my heart, God will not hear me. But God is love. See, again, we go back to that. But i got to obey the Scriptures. So the second area we begin to learn right here from the words of, of the, pop, the, the parts of Gilgal here is there things in my life that need to be cut off. Same chapter, verse number 8. Now watch this. 
So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. That word reproach means shame and guilt. So you know what he said? Because you obeyed me and you cut off all the junk in your life, I've rolled away all the shame and the guilt that came with you from Egypt. Let me me clarify that for me and you. How many times do we stay away from the things of God? How many times have you stayed away from church because of shame or guilt? And I'm just shamed. I'm so shamed what I've done. But any time in my life I go to the Lord and I ask Him to begin to grace me, to help me get rid of these things in my life that are causing me to And God's a God who forgives. He, he rolls all that shame away from you. Now watch this. There's a huge truth in here. Therefore, the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Now, what's interesting here about Gilgal, it sounds like the word Galal, G-A-L-A-L, which is the Hebrew word for roll. So literally what God does with us, He rolls us away from the shame of our past, and He rolls us right into alignment with His will or the more that He has for you. And so when you begin to look at what he did right here, he said, number one, I'm going to cut off that sin and that disobedience with you. And what goes with that is all that shame and your guilt. And then I'm just going to roll you right into a line with what I have for you. I believe God still does those things to this day. That's what he wants to do for you and me. But I've got to get a hold of what he's talking about here. So the second thing. Don't let shame keep you from the more that God has for you. Here's the third one. Same chapter, verse number 10. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal, and they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. Now we've got to go back and we've got to look at the word Passover. The Passover was instituted when they were still in Egypt, back in Exodus 11. Remember what the Passover had to deal with. The Lord said that you'll get a lamb and that he's spotless, he's without blemish, he's perfect. And you'll sacrifice him to me on this exact date that they took place right here. And he said, what you'll do is you'll take that lamb... And you'll prepare him, and you'll roast him, and you'll eat him in a specific manner. And then you'll take the blood, and you'll mark your doorposts, your lintels, your thresholds with that blood. And when the the, uh, angel of death comes, if I see that blood on your doorposts, I'll pass right over it. So now we go back and we look. For over 40 years in the wilderness, they got away from their roots of participating in the Passover. They'd gone 40 years without doing that. 
So how does that pertain to me and you? Well, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, As often as you drink of the bread, as often as you eat of the bread, and drink of the cup, you'll do it in remembrance of me. So every time we partake of the bread, we're literally partaking of that lamb. Revelations 5.12 says, Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Talking about Jesus. So what does the partaking of the bread mean for me and you? It means according to Isaiah 53, 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, by whose stripes you are healed. So there was a provision of healing made for us, just like for them. And then the blood of the Lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So just as they had to march on toward the promised land, the only way they could do it was faith in the blood. That's the same with us. So the blood of Jesus will wash you of sin. What type of sin? Any sin. If sin's got a name, the blood of Jesus is greater than that. Now here's how I like to liken sin and the blood of Jesus. Sin stains us. The blood of Jesus is like the human stain stick. Now I can relate to that really, really, really easy. And most of you men, if you were truly honest, you could relate with me. Why is that, Pastor? Well, one of the reasons I wear a jacket most of the time is because if I have a white shirt on it and you got real close, you'd say, Pastor, you got coffee stains all over that. Yeah. I got a hole right here in my lip. And so sometimes when I get close to other men and they got coffee stains, I'm like, yeah, that's a badge honor. Way to go. And so years ago, my wife would put these stain sticks in my desk because she knew it didn't matter what day of the week it was and it didn't matter what color of clothes I had on, they were going to get stained. But that stain stick did me no good unless I took it and I actually moved it in right there. That's the same with the blood of Jesus. He paid a price for every one of us but you have to appropriate that. How do I do that? That's why it's so powerful to confess your sin. He said, if you'll confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to not only forgive you, but I'll cleanse you. I'll wash you. How would that look? Well, God, I repent. I repent of that sin I did. And you name it, and then you say... I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to wash me by the blood of the Lamb. But the blood of Jesus doesn't stop there. In Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, it says, We overcome by the blood of Jesus. It didn't say, You overcome by doing a hundred Hail Marys today. It didn't say, You overcome by going to church. It didn't say, You overcome by being a great person. It says, You overcome by the blood of the Lamb. So I don't overcome... Or I'm not justified by good intentions. I'm only overcome and justified by the blood of Jesus. So what does all that mean? Those are some big words, weren't they? If you were to look at Revelations 12, 
It says the accuser of the brethren, which is the devil, goes before God day and night accusing you before God. So it's like a courtroom. And all day long the devil goes and he yaks, he yaks, he yaks, he yaks. And, and he begins to give a report and he says, uh, uh, God, Paul did this today, he did this today, he did this today, he did this today. Now if you were to go to a court of law, what you have in there is witnesses. What do witnesses do? They give testimonials or they testify for you or against you. So as I go marching in the courtroom, remember the devil is yakking to God and he's saying, Father God, Stormy Swan has lied, he's cheated, he's done this and this and this and this, and God looks at me and guess what I say? Father God, I choose today to plead the blood of Jesus. I don't plead my case. I don't plead my cause. Number one, I'm guilty. But when I plead the blood of Jesus, you know what God does? He says, let me see the evidence. And the Lord and Savior Jesus, He strolls out. And for every one of us that appropriate the blood of Jesus, you know what He does? He says, look at the holes in my hand. And then you know what He does? He takes off His robe and he says, look at my back. And then he looks and he says, paid in full. Paid in full. Understand this today. You were bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice. And with it came a warranty that only Jesus could make. And that warranty is forever. But here's what happens. If you don't understand what Jesus did for you, it's very difficult for you to appropriate the blood. That's why we must understand what he did. And then once you, you say, oh, I plead the blood. I, plead, I come under the blood today. Woo, I thank you, Lord. Your blood is cleansing me today. Your blood is overcome and causing me to be an overcomer today. Now watch what he goes on to say here. Verse number 11. And they ate of the produce of the land on that day after the Passover, unleavened bread, parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten the produce of the land. Now this is significant that you see this. They're on their way to Moore, to the promised land. They crossed the Jordan. And all of a sudden, the manna ceased. That manna had been given to them for 40 years. Six days a week, it would rain manna. Nothing would happen on Sunday or the Sabbath. But for 40, day, or 40 years, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it would rain manna, and all of a sudden, they cross the Jordan, and it stops. It ceases. Keep reading. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. While God took away the manna, God still remained their provider. 
God gave them everything they needed to succeed. He gave them the ability to work and go after it. But now, it would take a personal responsibility. God is always going to be our source. And God will always grace you to do what He desires you to do. But you're going to have to be the one that takes the responsibility to go ahead and go after it. See, things begin to change there. And things still change to this day. The word disciple is rooted in the word discipline. To be a disciple, you're going to have to be disciplined. And so that takes a personal responsibility. So now, you know what God did? God said, I'm tired of you bedwetters. That wasn't his real word, but that's what I'm using. What do I mean by that? All you guys ever did, remember, he would have sent that man and they would complain. They would whine. And you know what he said? Now, I'm giving you all the means, so shut up. He didn't say that either. I said that. You get the point, though. You know what he's saying? I'm giving you all the resources that you'll ever need, but you're going to have to do it. Where is that, Pastor? That's, that's Galatians 6, 7. You know what Galatians 6, 7 says? Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever, 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 whatever a man sows, he'll reap. And so guess what God did? God said, here, there's you the ball. And again, I want you to understand, he's always going to be the source, and he's always going to grace us. But he's graced me with talents. He's graced us with abilities. You know, prayer isn't an alternative for, for, for preparation. It was never to take the place of preparation. Just as faith is not a substitute for hard work. God's given every one of us abilities and talents. And He graces us to do those things. And so what do we see from this one? Lord, discipline me. Help me to become a disciple of yours. Now, as I studied all this, I began to have to ask this question. The three things that stood out there. Do any of them define your life to this day? Maybe all three of them. That's okay. That's just the robe of humility. As I looked at all three of these, I said, you know what? I could go a little further and a little deeper in every one of these. Move within me. So the first one, draw near to God. And He'll draw near to you. Those memorial stones, never, 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 never forget His faithfulness. If you had to give yourself a grade today about how well do you yada, what would you give? I don't ever raise my hands to God. Well, you got a pretty good or a pretty bad grade, didn't you? What would happen if I begin to say, man, Father God, stir up within me. When I come into the house of God, when I get up on Monday morning, I get up and instead of saying, oh, craptacular, i got to go to work today. What would happen if I said, whoo, I thank you today, Father God, you gave me a job to get up and go to work. 
I'll bless the Lord at all times. Sad times, mad times, ugly times, Monday morning times. I'll bless the Lord at all times. And so when I begin to focus on blessing God and praising Him, it gets it off of me and puts it on a faithful God. The second area. What needs to be cut off today? Is there disobedience? Is there complacency? Oh, here's a good one. Have you become lukewarm in areas of your life? I have to answer that question in my own heart. And then even the last one, what we just went over. How well do I appropriate the things of God, the blood of Jesus? See, when I look at every one of these that was talked about there, the lesson from Gilgal there was, we all have spiritual roots. Gilgal was the base camp. It was the foundation of their life. It was the beginning point. Do you know in Revelations it says, why would you leave your first love? So let me ask you, have we left our roots? Have we gotten where we don't even look to God, we don't even come under His blood? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.